Hello, everyone. It's good to see all of you. And for those worshiping online, we're glad you're with us too. And and uh, what a joy it is to always get to worship with everybody. And good to see so many of you here today as well. Today, I want to talk to you about God's standard and how God we're to use God's standard to measure our thoughts. And let me tell you, when you use God's standard to measure your thoughts, there's always victory in Jesus. And that's what we're going to talk about, the victory that we have in Jesus Christ. So we want to talk about the standard of God and how we're to use that to measure our thoughts today. You know, standards of measurement are very important, aren't they? Uh, standard of measurement gives you a reference point. Someone tells you to build a table, go build a table. Well, what kind of table? Card table, coffee table, you know, conference table, dining room table, picnic table, kitchen table. Well, what kind of table do you want? Uh, what size do you want it to be? Seven foot, eight foot, three foot? Do you want it to be out of metal or out of wood? Do you want it to be um, one that's colored or stained? In other words, do you want it to be rectangle or oval or oblong? Or See, there's all different kinds of tables and shapes and everything. So just say, go build a table. It's not specific enough, is it? Standards of measurement give us a reference point. They also give us accuracy. It's very accurate, aren't they, right? So how many of you have heard or have experienced the hard way that you are to measure twice and cut once? Uh, I've learned that when <laughs> I see a few hands. I've learned that when I just measure once, I end up going to Home Depot more often than I care to to get more material, the accuracy of measuring. We need to have, what is that measurement? What are those tools? I think about in terms, not only that as well, but the, the right outcome. We want the right outcome when you have a standard of measurement. Be able to repeat it, it's the right outcome. So we use the tools of a ruler or a scale or measuring spoons or measuring cups to get the right outcome, don't we? That's standards of measurement. Now there's also non-standards of measurement, right? Palm of my hand, length of my finger, from my elbow to my wrist, my foot, how big it is, eyeball it, looks pretty right to me, close enough right, my grandma Lottie's delicious German chocolate cake, grandma, how do you make that cake? Little pinch of that, little bit of that, whole lot of this, I don't know, just all comes together. You try that little bit pincher, it doesn't quite taste the same, doesn't it? So sometimes eyeballing things or just kind of guessing at it and, or just a pinch here, a pinch there may work okay for Grandma Lottie, but in certain things in life, you want them to be absolutely certain, right? You want it to be correct. You want it to be right, particularly when it comes to your life and to the thought lives that we have that God has given us. What is the standard? What is your ruler? What tools are you using in your thought life? What's your scale? Uh, what, what is your measuring cup that you're using? You know, Jesus talked about the idea of, of controlling our thought life. He talked about that as not being easy, that it's sometimes a struggle. The Bible talks about it in terms of walking with God, in terms of being transformed in our mind to the mind of Christ, of being faithful to God, to having the knowledge of God, also in terms of being obedient to his will. And Jesus says, look, if you're a follower of mine, you are a disciple of mine. And the word disciple itself means to learn something. It means to have discipline that goes with it. And it requires that discipline. In fact, you think about the parables of Jesus. The parable of the two roads. There's a 
wide road, and there's a what? A narrow road. And the two gates, there's a wide gate, and there's a narrow gate. Now, Jesus says, if you take the easy road, the wide road, or if you take the wide gate, the outcome is going to be what? Destruction. It's going to be destruction. But if you choose the, the narrow gate or the narrow road, and you find that, and you go on that, you're going to find blessings, you're going to find abundance, you're going to find eternal life. It's not easy, it's a struggle, but it's the right way, it's the right measurement of our thoughts, God's standard. I know this man who was fighting the Battle of the Bulge, and not the one in World War II, <laughs> the one for today. And so he had some weight to lose, and he had been doing the exercise, he'd been watching what he ate. And then one day as he's driving down the road, into his mind pops this vision of Krispy Kreme donuts. And he thinks, boy, you know what would be really good right now is a hot cup of coffee and a glazed hot Krispy Kreme donut. Now, Dale Cook sends me texts at least, what, three times a week, Dale? The hot light's on at Krispy Kreme donut. But this man in his thought life, says, you know, it probably won't hurt to have just a cup of coffee and a one glazed Krispy Kreme donut. And so he's driving down the road. And he realizes that at 3651 Latson Road, phone number 843-871-0401, there's this, happens to be this Krispy Kreme that he knows very little about, right? And so he says, Lord, if I pull into that Krispy Kreme, and there's an empty parking space right in the front, then I know it's okay for me to have that Krispy Kreme donut this one time. And wouldn't you know it, when he pulls into the Krispy Kreme donut place at 3651 Latson Drive, phone number 843-871-0401, after driving around six times, on the seventh time, there is an empty parking space in the very front. He's already lost, hasn't he? <laughs> His thought life is already lost to that battle of the bulge. And I think about this because there is a right way and there's a wrong way. And our thought lives, I mean, it controls everything about us, doesn't it? In Romans chapter 12, Paul says there's two standards. There's one standard that has an outcome and there's another standard that has an outcome. And the outcomes are entirely different. The first one's found here in Romans 12. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. That's the world standard. There's a pattern. There's a system. Standard number one, pattern of this world. Standard number two, it's the godly standard. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, having the mind of Christ, being transformed into the mind of Christ. The pattern of this world standard has an outcome, conformity. You are shaped by how the world views things, the world's worldview, the philosophy of the world, and how the devil is in control of that we'll see in just a moment. Outlook, outcome of the world standard is conformity. Having God's standard to control your thought life is one of transformation. It's one of transformation, the mind of Christ. It's not easy. 
It's a struggle. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul will call this a battle. It's a physical, spiritual battle. A battle that has warfare, an enemy, and has weapons. Now, I'm going to read to you 2 Corinthians 10 from the translation called The Message. I just love the way it puts together. And just listen to the pattern of conformity or the transformation of the mind of Christ that's in front of us, that battle that's going on. The world's unprincipled. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have and never will. The tools of our trade are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. I mean, there's the battle, isn't it? What a wonderful way he expresses that. Are you going to conform to the patterns of this world? Or are you going to win the battle, have victory in Jesus, and have your mind transformed and given back to God? There's a standard. That's why the Bible says in 1 John, don't love the things of this world. Love not the things of this world or love not the world. He's not talking about the beauty. He's not talking about the things you can love in this world. What's he talking about? What Paul just referred to in 2 Corinthians 10. This, this world system under the control of Satan that wants to take your thought life and remove you away from your devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when I go to Ephesians chapter 4, 17 through 32, there is this detailed picture that Paul gives of what does a conformed mind look like compared to a mind that's been transformed in Jesus Christ. I'm not going to read the verses to you, just too many. So let me summarize them for you to paint the picture to encourage you to read it on your own. So in Ephesians 4, Paul says, here's what the world standard looks like. The world thinks that it's being enlightened, that they have greater understanding about what life's all about. They don't realize that they're futile in their thinking. They don't realize that they're not enlightened, they are darkened in their understanding. It's led to a corruption in their thought life, which in turn has hardened their heart and cause them to grow very callous and insensitive to the people that are all around them. And so much so that they are willing to exchange and believe the truth for a lie. The outcome of that is in their talk, the way they talk about others. They talk with anger, some, and some with malice, some with bitterness, some with envy, some with jealousy. And others, they talk to tear other people down, thinking in their futility of their mind, that in tearing someone else down, they're actually building somebody else. When they gossip and slander about someone else, it's actually making them, they feel like that they're bigger. Now that's conformity. That's the standard of the world. Paul says, but there's a greater way to live. Ephesians 4, he says, look, you found about who Jesus is. You belong to Jesus. You've learned the truth. You study the truth. You've been taught who Jesus Christ is. And by knowing more and more about Christ, putting your faith in him, you now discover you have a new self, brand new creation. You have a new attitude towards life. You realize you're filled with righteousness and holiness. And the outcome of that is that you are acting in kindness and forgiving and tenderhearted 
and patient with one another. And when you speak about others, you speak to build them up, not tear them down. Now, that's such a stark contrast, isn't it, in the thought life, that my mind could be controlled by the pattern of this world and have those outcomes. Or my mind can be under submission to the will of God, the mind of Christ, and be transformed, and God can actually do those things in my life. That's why Proverbs says, above all else, guard, see it, protect it, protect what you think because your thoughts control what? Your life. If you don't like the direction your life is headed, change the way you think. And this is what he's saying there, guard your heart. So Paul says in Philippians, well, how do I do that? How, I got to feed it. Got to feed my thought with what? Things that are true and right and pure and lovely and admirable, excellent and praiseworthy. Think on those things. And whenever I learn those things, whenever I receive them, whenever I listen to them, I do what? I put them into what? Put them into practice. I obey them. Now, this is not about willpower or a positive mental attitude. Well, I'll just get a better frame of mind. I'll just get a better attitude. I'll just have a better positive mental attitude about life, and I'll just put my willpower to work. The reason that cannot work is because this is not a physical, mental battle. This is a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6, verse 12. We're fighting against the spiritual powers of evil in the heavenly realms. It is a spiritual battle. And if you don't think the devil doesn't know what he's doing, <laughs> you're just so blind to this warfare. The devil is organized. He's organized his cohorts into rulers, authorities, and powers. And they are subtle and hidden in what they do. They oftentimes masquerade in this world system as the right thing and the correct thing and the good thing to do when it's contrary to the will of God. They are subversive in what they do to try to divide and destroy, to alienate, to keep people from being in harmony with God and with each other. They destroy families and marriages and friendships and churches and nations and races and people. It's just anything they can destroy this spiritual power, they will do so. And the way they do it primarily is through our thoughts. Getting to the thought life of individuals. It's not demonic in the sense of being demonic oppressed, but just simply people being conformed to the pattern of this world. The thought life. I don't want to be that. How about you? I don't want to be used by this spiritual cohorts that are against what God wants me to do. My thought life. So how does he do it? 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5. <clears throat> he talks about the thought life. Notice what's involved in the thought life. There is, we demolish imaginations and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. What's involved in your thought life? Your imagination. Your logic, your rationale, the claims that you present, the claims that you make, your emotions, your feelings, all shape your beliefs and your values. And Paul says, in this picture here, the thought life has been overtaken in the imagination, in the claims, the pretensions, and in shaping the values. It's a picture of a fortress with high towers on watch, and inside are these group of people who are being held captive. And then Paul says, that's a picture of a Christian 
whose thought life is now under the stronghold of the devil. Where there's supposed to be victory and freedom and rejoicing, that Christian, because they have fallen to the pattern of the world, now finds himself, all their thoughts, imaginations, their claims, their values, all in captivity behind that wall. Paul says we've got to tear that down. We need to recapture it. The only way you do that is by the standard of God, the imaginations. You know, we oftentimes think about Noah and the flood. Remember that story? Genesis chapter 6. Why did God destroy the world the first time? And we say because of all the evil things they were doing. You know what the Bible says in Genesis 6 verse 3? It's not because of all the evil things they're doing. It's because of all the evil things they are thinking. Remember how you think is the direction of your life. And said, when the Lord saw that their inclinations, some translations, imaginations were always on evil, he knew at that point he had to destroy them. So what's the answer to this? The answer is the best life possible for you and me is to make sure that our thoughts are coming under the standard measurement of what God wants us to do. That is my knowledge is my understanding of God, that I want to love his law, obey his word, understand his principles, that I want to be in an environment where there's harmony with God and love of God, and I'm submitting to him. Because this world that we live in, folks, Satan used it through education and also through uh, the laws that are put on the books oftentimes and through the environment in which we live to say, this is the way you need to be conformed. It's not about what God wants. What do other people think? So we take polls, right? We let the news and all the different things around us feed us information to manipulate us and hurt us into a herd mentality. This is the way it's supposed to be. This way everyone else is thinking. This is what we should do because everybody else is doing it. Popular trends. And no, you're saying no. My thought life is going to belong to God. I'm not going to let the world control it. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 3, Paul says, Eve was deceived. And just as Eve was deceived, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Now, Eve lived in the most perfect environment you could ever have on earth, right? The Garden of Eden. Had everything. No sin in that community. Nothing going on. And yet the subtlety of the devil was one that he got into Eve's mind, and corrupted her mind, and led her into sin. And what Paul says is, I want you to understand the attitude that you have in Christ. Don't let anything lead you astray from your pure devotion to Jesus Christ. Keep the attitude, no matter what, you're not going to let this happen. We're all in different environments. I read of a monk that went into training several years ago. And he went to this monastery where the regiment was they could not speak for the first three years. They could only say two words at the end of each year. Year one, two words. Year two, two words. Year three, two words. So this monk in training, after the end of the first year, goes to see his mentor monk. I guess that's what they call them. Mentor monks, all right? We'll call them anyway. The mentor monk said, how are things going? You can use two words to describe your first year. Bed hard. Bed hard. So we went back. Next year, the monastery, he's silent the whole year, comes to see his monk in training the second year. And the monk says, okay, how was your second year? He goes, food bad. Food bad. We'll go back third year. 
spends a whole third year in training again, comes out of the training, sees his mentor monk, mentor monk says, well, you're at the end of three years. Two words, how was your third year? I quit. And the monk mentor said, no wonder, all you've done is complain for the last three years. That's kind of the way we are, right? We need to get a better attitude, a new attitude, that we want to live to what God wants us to do, to understand that this attitude of living by the Spirit in Romans 8, if your thinking's controlled by your sinful self, there's going to be spiritual death. But if your thinking's controlled by the Spirit, there can be life and peace. And this is what God has called to us. There is joy in following the standards of God. There is peace in following the standards of God in your thoughts. I love Isaiah 26, verse 3. With perfect peace, you will protect those minds who, those whose minds cannot be changed because they trust in you. There is peace in keeping your mind on God, letting that peace, peace with God, peace with others, and peace with yourself. So how do I do that? How do I let my thoughts be controlled by God's standards. Got to be in the Word of God. Got to feed it with the Word of God. You must be in prayer. Isaiah says here you have to trust and keep your faith in God. It stays there. You're not going to change your mind. And it requires obedience. What God tells me to do, as difficult as it may be, the struggle that it might be, I realize this is a battle. And I want my mind to be transformed in the mind of Christ. And not be controlled after the patterns of the world. I am going to obey. Well, I hope this lesson has encouraged you this morning. I hope it encourages us to say, you know, I want to live by God's standard. That's the right way to live. If you're watching online and you need to respond to this invitation anyway, we invite you to call the phone number. It's not the one from Krispy Kreme. It's the one here. And also the email that's there and get in touch with us. We would be glad to help you any way we can with any spiritual need that you have. If you're here this morning, you have a spiritual need, you can meet with one of our elders. I see Dale and Ken and uh, Bill that are here. Please meet with them afterwards. But right now, let's stand and let's close out this lesson. And I want to offer you these words of encouragement from 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. We've been talking about the mind that is measured by God's standard. You became a child of God to be victorious. God wants every one of his children to be victorious. So, as we start this new week together, I want us to keep these words in mind. Thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.